Here we go. Jenny Green, weekdays from three on 2FM. The sound of the nation. And welcome back. So, well, the wheels of sport are slowly moving and life is returning to the sector, so much so that here on our show today, we had our very first sports bulletin in about eight weeks, so it can only bode well for our sports feature today with Gavin Cooney from the 42.ie. Gav, how are you? Rejoice, Jenny. The sports news is back. Oh, I never thought I'd be so excited. I was like, I feel like a little bit of normality is coming back, which is great. And and first up, um, I love this story. Tell us about the German, uh, German racing driver who went to great lengths to make the final three in a Formula E race. <laughs> Uh, it's a Formula E, it's also e-sports. So I remember talking to you a couple of weeks ago and we were saying perhaps the lockdown, this is the moment that e-sports becomes mainstream important sports. And we know that's true now because people have started cheating at it. So that's really the proper sport. So Formula E is essentially, it's a version of Formula One. So imagine like the, if the Premier League is Formula One, then League One is Formula E. So they've yeah. been staging a race at home challenge uh, conducted over Twitch and over Playtekken, I guess, uh, to raise money for UNICEF. Now, Daniel Apt is a German race, racing car driver who was supposed to be competing in the race. Uh, and in the fifth round of the race, he did really well. He qualified in second position. He briefly led it. And then he ultimately finished third. So you're thinking, OK, mm-hmm. well done, Daniel Apt. Um, but because he isn't very good at the game. His previous best <laughs> finish was 15th. Uh, there, some of his uh, competitors raised a few, raised their eyebrows and were wondering, what's going on here? And then, further mystery, uh, the, the stream on Zoom of him racing uh, obscured his face. For some reason, his, micro- his microphone was in the way of his face. So you, couldn't, you couldn't be 100% sure that it was actually him. And then race organizers decided to check it out. They cross-checked the IP addresses of Daniel Art's own location versus whoever it was racing. And as it turned out, it wasn't Daniel Art who was racing at all. He drafted in, he drafted in a ringer. An 18-year-old pro uh, esports gamer uh, was drafted in to compete for him and uh, push him up the standings. So he was disqualified. He, wa- he issued an apology and has promised to donate 10,000 euros to charity. If he'd gotten away with it, though, it's kind of genius. I nearly admire him for it. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, surely you can come up with better ideas uh, than obscuring uh, the person's face with a microphone. And also, it's a classic Icarus fly too close to the sun. He just did too well initially, you know. Had the guy slacked off and come like a respectable sixth, probably w- he probably wouldn't have been rumbled. Wouldn't have been as obvious. Um, uh, the, ne- the next one we're going to NBA is going to Disneyland. Um, look, how have they managed to swing this? Oh, well, it's not over the line yet. So we've talked, and we've actually talked in February about this, that a, a traditional saying, um, it's more, probably more associated with the NFL now, but it has happened before in the, in the NBA, where immediately after a championship, the cameras rush in to interview the star of the show, and they triumphantly say, I'm going to Disneyland, or I'm going to Disney World. Um, you won't be surprised that Disney World pay the athletes to say that at Good Marketing. Uh, but now, all of the NBA could be going to Disneyland uh, because the NBA, uh, the league, are in talks uh, with the players and the unions uh, to resume the season in July. Obviously, it's been suspended because of the virus since March. Uh, and they're going to take it, they're considering staging it at Disney's ESPN Wide World of Sports, which is a complex, along with Epcot and Magic Kingdom and everything else in Florida. So it's a mega site. It's a 255-acre campus. There's multiple arenas there. So the idea is, that everyone involved with every team, so the players, the coaches, the medical staff, 
everyone will move to Disneyland for a couple of months. They'll live there, they'll train there, and they'll play there and play the season to its conclusion. God, isn't that a gig? That's a gig. That's a gig of dreams. <laughs> I know. Now, the sad thing is, unfortunately, obviously, there would be with the NBA, there would be no problem with height restrictions on roller coasters, etc. But the parks are obviously shut down. So actually, Disney could do with some money. So mm. presumably, the NBA will, will pay them for this. So it's like, I mean, it's a totally bizarre scenario. But uh, I guess that's the world that we're living in at the it moment. It is. Uh, and speaking of bizarre scenarios, and I was actually off the week you covered this, but I do remember uh, listening back to it. The Korean sex dolls, they haven't gone away. Uh, yeah. They've made a little more history. <laughs> God, I mean, I went to university. I've been working hard for a few years, and I finally made it. I've finally been talking about sex dolls on on RTE. <laughs> uh, so, FC Seoul. You mean, yeah, we covered this last week. FC Seoul decided to get creative in filling the empty stands uh, at a recent game, and they ordered thirty mannequins <laughs> to do so. But sadly, they turned out to be sex dolls. Uh, so uh, they said it was a misunderstanding. They ordered the premium mannequins, not realizing that the people they were dealing with dealt solely in, in sex mannequins. Uh, so they've been fined a record 100 million won, which uh, translates to 74,000 euros for doing this. It's a record fine handed out by the Korean Soccer League. Um, the league said uh, that the club had deeply humiliated their female fans, um, which I think is fair enough. Uh, the K-League <laughs> did accept that FC Seoul um, made a mistake, that they didn't realise the mannequins were sex toys. But the league also said the club could have, quote, easily recognised and uh, their use using common sense and experience. Um, I like I did. I mean, let's just let 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 the word experience hang there in the air for a few seconds. I don't know what experience soccer administrators are meant to have in this regard, but mm. evidently, FC Seoul were meant to have it and failed to exercise it. Well, look, stay with us there for a moment, Gav. We're going to talk about the best documentary possibly ever, which I know mm-hmm. you're devastated. It's over. We're going to get to that. We're going to be talking about Michael Jordan and the last dance in just a moment after uh, Robbie Doherty and Keys. As I just move my faders down, this is Pour the Milk on 2FM. <laughs>
time to pour the coffee. I am. For I even argue he is. That somebody coming in. It is always nice to see you, says the man behind the counter. To the woman who has come in, she is shaking her umbrella. And I look the other way as they are kissing their hellos. And I'm pretending not to see them. And instead, I pour the milk. And that is Robbie Doherty and Keys Pour the Milk. Now, Gavin Cooney is with me from the42.ie and we're going to continue on. It is the big one of the moment, particularly with lockdown, I think, right now. But Netflix's Michael Jordan documentary series was launched at just the right time and we got a steady drip, drip of sports content to give us something to talk about. And yet again, it has delivered this week in the form of a very cross Scotty Pippen, do tell, Gavin. Yeah, so uh, for everyone who doesn't know The Last Dance, it is, well, notionally a documentary about the 1998 Chicago Bulls, but it's mostly about Michael Jordan. He had editorial input, so. Um, and then some of his teammates aren't exactly thrilled with how they've been portrayed. So Scotty Pippen was his teammate for years and years with the Bulls, and he's reported beyond livid with his portrayal, according to an ESPN radio host, David Kaplan, in the US. Um, Pippen is apparently angry at Michael for being called selfish, called this, called that, and quoting now, he's furious that he participated and did not realise what he was getting himself into. So Jordan called Pippen selfish over Pippen's decision to have surgery at the outset of the season featured on The Last Dance. Now, the problem here is, like, Jordan is completely right to call Pippen selfish about this, because, um, so Pippen injured himself at the back end of the season previous. Uh, but was in disputes with the Bulls management about contract renegotiations and what he should be paid. Uh, So then rather than get surgery over the summer and recuperate then and come back and play the full season, he took the summer off, went on holiday, said, well, I mean, this injury can get in the way of me enjoying my summer. So came back and then got the surgery when his team needed him. So in fairness, like Jordan is not a nice dude and wasn't a nice dude to most of his teammates. But in this in this respect, I think he's probably right. Is there an argument, though, that, to be fair, is it rich coming from Michael Jordan when we saw the the difference in their salaries um, and the fact that the rest of them got paid so much less, as did Scottie Pippen? And to be honest, what, from watching the documentary, and it's only an opinion, I could be wrong, you do feel that he was, you know, such an important wingman for Michael Jordan that without him, would he have been able to play as well? And the fact that he wasn't being paid what he probably should have been paid? Yeah, I know Pippen was underpaid because he went, he was, he he really wanted the security of a long-term contract. So he signed that early on in his career and then TV money flowed in and everything. And all of a sudden he's locked into a contract that really undervalued him. And Jordan was obviously insane, was very, very well paid. He was on something like $3 million a year um, at the time. Uh, but I guess that's, that's the game, you know I mean? Jordan was the star. Like people were coming to the arena to watch Jordan, like, most of the money was flowing in because of Jordan and they weren't going to win anything without Jordan so I guess uh, I mean look I'd love if everything was a bit more egalitarian but sadly the game's the game and uh, Jordan was worth that money 
But it was it's an amazing documentary. If anyone hasn't watched it yet, uh, I did find the kind of continuity and I found it a little bit sort of the flow of it. I found a bit stressful. You actually liked that part of it. I liked it mainly because I'm fierce bad when I watch these things for flicking around on my phone at the same time and just not paying full attention. So I liked that there was always something on screen to remind you what year it was and what's happening. Because I'll frequently, you know, I'm no good for paying attention to these things. Like I'll be reading a book or a novel, say, and then I'll be reading a book or a novel and then the, the, all of a sudden the, the character will be talking somewhere outside and I was like, why did they go outside? I thought they were, they were in a building. Like, so, I mean, I didn't mind that, um, I have to say. But I, I did like, like the final two episodes, really then, they got all the storytelling from the previous few years out of the way and they just focused on, on that season where, and, and the infamous flu game and so on. So I did like that focus on it. But uh, I like, look, there's problems with it from a journalistic standpoint, like Jordan getting editorial control isn't ideal, but I also, I loved it and I miss it. And it was the only thing I really had to remind me that it was actually Monday. Well, I, have, I have no idea. Well, I have no have, idea what day it is. Anymore. I know it is. That. We have a recommendation for you. Someone just said, tell Gavin to watch The Other Dream Team. If he likes Jordan documentary, he's going to like this one. Tell him to Google it. Unreal. Okay, I, I don't know what that is. So that, that is actually great. There Thank you, you go. There you go. And we're almost out of time, but we just want to finish and say we have something to look forward to next year. Another sports legend, Tom Brady, is going to be getting a dedicated documentary series. Yeah, same as, uh, same with the Jordan deal. This one is nine episodes rather than ten. Brady is, uh, has, is, his company is attached as a producer, so he'll get a say over what goes out. So he's still playing. I think these things need a bit of distance. So I wouldn't be optimistic about, I actually think this might be a little bit boring. I don't think it'll be as good as the last dance, but it's something to look forward to in 2021. And then we have a final, someone who's entering our COVID Hall of Shame, and it's, it's brilliant. Very briefly tell us about uh, the Tottenham defender. Uh, repeat inductee Serge Aurier has been called transgressing the lockdown rules for a third time. This time he, he posted a picture on his Instagram of him getting his hair cut um, with, uh, with the caption, Yes, sir, le coiffeur est bon, which my even his friend uh, tells me is, the hair, Yes, sir, the hair cut is good. Uh, not according to his club who are going to fine him. Uh, this is his third transgression. He was pictured on Instagram jogging alongside a friend, first of all. Then he uploaded another video of his Instagram story of him training alongside a teammate and when they were meant to be under lockdown. So there was an outcry. He took to Instagram again, by the way, after that, uh, posting blah, 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 followed by snoozing emojis. And he added, my hairdresser is negative and me too. I'm negative, so stop talking in a vacuum and put on masks and gloves when you come to take pictures at the training centre. It's part of the rules too. So uh, his, club, his club, as I said, are pretty unimpressed and I think he might be getting... Um, he might be getting a financial hit because of it. Well, there we know. So, uh, yeah, the, the trick is really to cut your own hair, Gavin. I haven't ventured mine yet. I'm just sort of leaving it for the moment. I just keep tying it up and putting on hats. That seems to be working for the moment anyway. Look, look, Jen, if you don't like your hair at the moment, don't worry, it will grow on you. Oh! <laughs> back of the mat. Yeah, I was, I was hoping the, the Partridge Hot Key would be back. There, of course it is. It's always there. Uh, Gavin, mind yourself, it was great to chat to you. Now you have the other dream team to go on Google and you can give us a full report next week on the show. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you so much. That is Gavin Cooney there from the42.ie.